25 last year. And I set it for 50 this year. Whoa. Well, that's a lot of reading. I've already already finished my first one. I mean, and it's just like fun. I mean, some of them, well, no, last year they were all just like fun and fluff and mysteries and, you know, things like that. So nothing like. I'm not not sure I have read 50 books my entire life, Laura. (laughs) Now, come on. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm close. That's one a year. Check one, two, is this thing on? Welcome to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. My name is Chris Lynch, host of the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Happy New Year to you and yours. We hope 2024 has uh, started off with a, a bang. I guess that's still good. Is, is the bang still good, guys? I don't know if that's still good or yeah, not. Yeah, a good a good way, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. If, I, I don't want to be, you know, offend anyone. You know, but I'm, and I'm old. Back in my back in my day, we'd say start off with a bang. bang. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, we can say that. Okay, good. So uh, we hope we started off great for you. A few days in now, as we uh, record and get this out to you, um, guys, uh, Laura and Kay are here with me. Um, you guys want to share, introduce yourselves, and, and share uh, anything about your, your New Year's Day or New Year's Eve festivities? Did you make it to the ball drop? What you know? What, what tell us about your New Year or anything like that? Somebody go first. I don't care. I'm Laura McLean, um, and no, I did not make it originally until the ball drop. I did wake up at midnight when fireworks started going off that Uh, woke me up um we have a new puppy at our house that santa brought and that puppy is the size about as tall as our lab already because this puppy is a great dane but um she when she first arrived at our house on christmas she would just shake all the time like she was super nervous about everything and so i thought oh boy fireworks are going to be an issue but she slept right through them so that was a plus so so. here's the question Mm -hmm. that begs to be asked because yes you know a great name that's a uh i mean that's a that's an undertaking (laughs) it sure is and so the question that begs to be asked is what percentage of that um is on uh santa claus and what percentage Mm -hmm. of that was on mrs claus um, 100% is on Santa. <laughs> Maybe 110. Was was Mrs. Claus surprised that morning too? Not surprised, but begrudgingly went along. So, um, wow. Yes. I I think maybe um my husband kept whispering to my youngest son, "Ask Santa for a puppy." I think that's maybe how this happened. Oh. I don't know. So, yeah, that's smart. well played, yeah. Michael. Well played. Yep. Um, yeah. The, and how the, how are they get how are the dogs getting along? The other they um, Tucker, our chocolate okay. lab, who's ten. He's an old man, the sweetest and best dog who has ever been ever. Our labs are great. Ever. I love yes, labs. they are. They are, and not not saying Dot is the um, the Great Dane. Dot. And, 
dot. Yes, she's it. black and has a little spot of white on her chest, and oh. therefore Cole named her Dot. The, um, the video yeah. that you sent to us and then shared on social media was absolutely <laughs> priceless. Yes, um, it was pretty cute. The excitement in Cole and Reed. I think it was yeah. Cole who went crazy, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. When Cole saw it, when, when you could hear Mike on the background, said, so look on the couch. They had completely yeah. missed it. I don't know how uh-huh. you miss a Great Dane. <laughs> but somehow they missed a Great Dane on the couch. And when Cole yep. came down, it just was so excited. Yeah. yeah. He just started screaming, it's a puppy. It, it was absolutely priceless. Those it was. Are things that I think Christmas is, is made of, made for Yeah. Him. It was sweet. But so Tucker is tolerating her. She wants to play so bad. And he's just like, eh, I've had my time playing. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to hang yeah. out here. But, but they um, curled up together um, on Ooh. the couch the other day. So that was good. And so yeah, so we'll see. So we have a, a just over a year old um, lab, uh, golden doodle who is now laying flat on the floor here enjoying the cool floor. Uh, we took him to Michelle's sister's this past weekend for New Year's. We were there, and they have an older Labradoodle that's black, and he's older. And, of course, uh, if you've seen anything on social media about Golden Doodle, any doodles, they're pretty energetic. And so as a, a 14-month-old – no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 14- or 15-month-old uh, doodle, Baxter is is on crack rock, and, and, and Ella, theirs, theirs is not – and so after about four hours of Baxter just harassing her to play, it's like she looks at him like, would you leave me yeah. alone? You know, <laughs> done. And so yep. it's pretty funny. So I've seen that this week as well. Uh-huh. Hey, how about you? How did you uh, spend the uh, holiday, New Year's? Anything worth sharing? I did make it to midnight, actually. Um, Look at you. I know. I know. melatonin I- for you. I know. Um, That's a fact. If you had taken melatonin, you're gone. I would have been gone. You know it. But we also have another dog in the house. Um, As we're talking about dogs, no one can see this, but my um, small dog just jumped up on my lap. Hmm. Uh, But our son, Austin, um, rescued a black lab mix, I think. He has pit in him because he's so sweet. You know how pits can just be like big babies, and that's mm-hmm. kind of he is. Anyway, we have him um, for a couple months because Austin has to go to sergeant school, and he has to stay in the barracks to do that. So um, we have Mac along with Ladybug, and so far, so good. Good. He's a good now, Austin's a little concerned because he is getting, you know, a little spoiled, but it's okay. Well, that's you know, what happens. Beggars can't, beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. It's either stay there for free and get spoiled or go to a borders and not get spoiled. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So take that, Austin, if you're listening. Yes. Put <laughs> that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, <laughs> exactly. We, as I mentioned, we went to Michelle's sister's for New Year's. I, I didn't for the first time in a long time. I'm, you guys, I'm 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 a night owl, and it, I stay up till most nights stay up till eleven thirty. So making it to midnight's New Year's is not a problem for me. But uh, I watched the. I was at my brother in law's house. We're both Packers fans. We watched the Packers Vikings game. It got over about eleven twenty, 
about 11.35, I woke up on the recliner out. And I'm like, I'm going to bed. Y'all enjoy it. I mean, most Michelle and the girls, we were leaving the next morning to come back home. And so my whole family going to bed. Some of them, some, some of the family going to bed. Some were still up. I'm like, I'm gone. And so I did not make it either. Uh, we had a great trip up there. Got to hang out with them. Um, <clears throat> he had gotten a uh, Blackstone um, griddle for Christmas. <laughs> Oh, fun. And uh, I, got to help, I got to help him put it together. And I also got to cook on it before anybody did. So we cooked, uh, we did New Year's Eve um, hibachi. So that was fun. Yeah. Had that. you done that before? No, no, no. I was just winging it. They were all talking to me That's about fun. how to do it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Maybe that was to it. A little butter, a little rice, a little butter, a little, you know, chicken. And shrimp set and some stuff cake. on fire. Yeah, I mean, choo choo. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Famous last words, right? Um, have you guys? Uh, I don't like talking about it, but I thought at least with ass, it's this new year. Have y'all have y'all made any resolutions or any goals? Uh, nope. Yep. Good. Okay, you're like me. I, I despise <laughs> resolutions. We live day by day. Do my best each day. Well, so last year I made it a priority to read more. Um, and so, um, so I met one. my goal last year, so I upped my Good goal for you. For this year. Yeah. Now, now you, are you, you reading of, or listening? Both. Now, um, you, you set a goal of a number of books to read? I did. I mean, so what was your was goal last like, year? And what's your goal this year? Is that curiosity? It was 25 last year, <sighs> and I set it for 50 this year. Whoa. So, well, that's a lot of reading. I've already, I've already finished my first one. I mean, and it's just like fun. I mean, some of them, well, no, last year they were all just like fun and fluff and mysteries and, you know, things like that. So nothing Gosh. like. So how? I'm, not, I'm not sure I have read 50 books my entire life, Laura. <laughs> now, come on. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm close. That's one have, a year. Hold on. <laughs> now, you're a busy mom and you work full time. How do you, when do you read? So that's a good question. So um, audiobooks for sure in the car. So when I go work in the office, I've got like a 20, 25 minutes each way commute. So I like to listen to them fast, like on two time. Um, oh. So I can go through them fairly quickly. Um, and then when the boys are falling asleep, like before bed, I read then as well. And so since I've had more time off, you know, the past few days, I have had more time. And this book I just read, I couldn't put down. I wanted to know what happened. So, well, there you go. I'm trying to find it uh, to see I, because I don't, I, I, that would be the only way I could read a lot, be to do audio books. Mm -hmm. Because I do listen a lot when I, because I don't have a, I don't have a daily commute like you do. Um, but I do, when, when I commute, I commute. Because my right. I, when I go yeah. when I have to go to these districts I work in the shortest one is an hour <clears> one way, and then two hours and one district is three hours away. Mm -hmm. So you could um, knock that out. Yeah. You so could. when I listen to a pile of podcasts and I, I was right. I was trying to That's find it. I was trying to find my Spotify rap because the number of minutes that I listened to Dog Nation daily this past year <laughs> is uh is pretty ungodly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know more about Georgia football than Kirby Smart, probably. But uh <laughs> I don't doubt that a bit. But, but that's just but I don't I don't I should probably I mean I should do that for me. Maybe you're gonna inspire me to read some more, Laura. Yeah. I'll read if I if I'm like 
if I need to, like, <laughs> I mean, I read a, at least one book a year because each year the Bishop Holson asked the leadership in, in, in our conference to read a book, to do some planning around that kind of stuff. And so I read those most of the time um, this year. <laughs> most of the time. I read I, this year is the first year I have actually finished the book. It's called, I, it's not because the book was a good, I just ran out of time um, before the actual retreat and then didn't bother with it. Uh, it was called strengthening, strengthening the strengthening the soul of your leadership um, by Ruth Halley Barton. And I found out she has a podcast called hmm. by the same name. And I because maybe start listening to that. So maybe I'll get some of the content of that book in anyway. Well, cool. Well, as we don't really have a, a, a huge uh, topic today. We want, we were intrigued uh, by a quote we saw this week um, from Carrie Newhoff. Um I can say it. I don't. There's not a snowball's chance, and you know where I can spell it. Um, <laughs> but that's that's the guy's name. As I'm sure you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably familiar with his work. He's a, a leadership guru, um, and um, he had this quote that intrigued us and thought we would have some conversation around tonight. We'll see where it goes. But the quote that he had uh, for churches, I guess maybe entering into this new year was this. The quote said, attracting other Christians doesn't fulfill your mission. Reaching people for Christ fulfills your mission. Um, I guess just generally starting out, what what piqued your interest, either of your interests about that quote? What, what made you stop and go, hmm, when you saw that the first time? Kay, you want to go first? You're the one who originally shared it with us. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I think so often, well, first of all, denominational churches in the U.S. Um, are not growing, unfortunately. I um, mean, we... Almost no churches are growing, but that's another... Yes, right. Non-denominational are growing a little quicker. But even those churches who are growing... Um, Um, are not growing fast, right? And I believe that most of those, I've always felt this, I mean, I, this isn't news to any of us, that um, those churches are pulling from other churches, right? Christians leave one church to go to the next. So um, I don't know that we call that out very often because we're so happy to have new members um, that we don't, I don't think, call it out or question that enough really um so that i don't know it just i'm like good for him for you know um for pointing it out and really making us stop and think about right i, I the, the first thing that jumps out at me is that and we've heard a lot about shifts in in the church world and and, and one of those ones that has and, and at least two of the guy of uh, the folks I know who have written about shifts in the church or shifts in Christianity in the last ten years or so have talked about moving from a shift from member a shift from membership to discipleship. Uh -huh. Yep, and, and I think we've fallen in this trap in the church where being a member of the church or even a part of the church, maybe not even a member of the church, but involved in the church equals Christianity. I, I used to mm. I used to be known for saying in our youth group that 
going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Right, right. <laughs> um, I think we've all used that one. Yeah, and, and so I think that, that this quote speaks to that, but I think that's, that to me, that's a, what's at the heart of this is this. it's not about growing my church. And I think that, and I have shared in, in, in when I've lead, lead, leaded, when I've led, good gracious, <laughs> when I've led churches. Maybe you've taken melatonin today. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. When I have led churches through um, planning processes or visioning processes, uh, you know, I, I, I've said that, something very similar that that that's not our our, our goal is not to build our church mm-hmm. we have to start where we're, we're more concerned and more uh, excited about building the kingdom than we are about building our church building the church and growing the church is a natural byproduct to use i mean it, if you cultivate a a a uh, i know right name drop right Cultivate an environment, and that's what—that's really what we're based on at Cultivate. Yep. Trying to help you think about how do I cultivate an environment where growth is going to happen, which also translates into the transformation that lives are going to be changed. It's not just because when you go from, and then Kay, you mentioned this. We were talking before that so often in we see growth in our churches is people moving from church one church to another church. Mm-hmm. The month thing. Well, nothing. Mm-hmm. Their, their lives probably haven't transformed at all. They Mm-mm. just went to a different church. They got tired or got mad at someone or right. whatever. And then right. moved on. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So, Laura, what about what about that jumped off or jumped out of the page, off the page to you when you saw it the first time? Yeah, well, I just, I think, too, um, you were talking about the, the membership stuff. And I think, um, now I've, I've totally lost my train of thought, so let me jump back. The, so membership, like you said, does not equate to a relationship with Christ. Um, and so just because we are welcoming new members doesn't mean that we're welcoming new Christians. And so I think that it's so important for us to um, to look at what it is that we're doing to help people take their next steps in their relationship with Christ. And it doesn't have to be being a member or even attending church or what, you know, what that looks like. And it's not growing those numbers. And I think we have to be careful too, that, that we don't get so caught up in what our numbers in our church. I mean, certainly we've talked about this over and over again too, that, that numbers are one of the, the ways that we show health and vitality. Sure. If, you know, if there's a a huge drop off, we know there's something going wrong, you know, but, um, but that's not the only thing that shows that things are going right. Um, And I think we have to realize too, that, um, that sometimes our church is not the right place for someone. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that that's an okay thing that, um, that this is not the place where people are going to, that some people are not going to be able to take their next steps. They're not going to be able to go deeper in their faith. They're not, whatever that might be, whatever that might be for them. Um, And that it's okay for them to go somewhere else. And it's okay for us to maybe even help them find where that might be for them. Mm -hmm. That would help them know, help, help. I'm just stumbling all over the place. I apologize. Maybe I took melatonin too, Um, but help them to, um, 
to be in a place where they can yep. really grow deeper in their relationship with Christ. What are what in y'all's minds? I've got a, a couple of thoughts here, but I want to hear from y'all first. What do you think has contributed to that mentality in our churches? Like, how have we gotten to where we are? That what it, what has helped contribute or what has contributed to us being a point where it's we focus on. Uh, made more so on membership than on um, discipleship. What are some I think complacency? It's I'm being sorry. complacent, being comfortable. Honestly, um, uh, the thing that I would always tell churches too is, um, if if you're worried about, especially we hear this right all the time that churches want younger people mm-hmm. in their congregation, and I said it. If you're sitting and waiting for younger people to come to your church, it's never going to happen. But if you are excited about your faith and you're talking about it and you're in your community and you're you're living it, that's how church is going to grow. And so I think we started to see a decline because we weren't staying relevant. Let's just call it what it is. And when we started to see that decline, we, I think, then started to focus on our numbers and started to say, oh, wait, wait a minute, you know, why, why are we losing people? What are we going to do about it? And so that became the focus of our church. And we lost sight of why we're doing what we're doing. And so then the, the focus. Most people. In, in the- I make that blanket statement, but sure. Yeah. But in but in that scenario you just laid out the 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 what seems to initially be the solution for a church that is in that situation is we have to get more people, and so then it becomes all we're thinking about is how do we save yeah. our church? How do we keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. You gotta have more people because more people equals more money. More money means mm-hmm. we pay our staff, we can keep it, pay the light bill, pay our rent or our mortgage, whatever. And I and I think that's I've done I do I do a lot of work with churches around the life cycle of a church. Mm-hmm. There's there's one version of the life cycle of church I really have kind of navigated or navigated to no. Certainly for uh, I'm drawn to I guess there's a better word there, but that I'm kind of drawn to that it ties in that um, that that bell curve of a church that that you know at the beginning and there's growth and there's plateau and decline and death. It ties that into uh, the vision, relationships, programs, and management. And basically, when you start, all you have with a church is vision, and the vision is what is primary. So the v, the V in that chart is capitalized because vision is all you have because you don't have people, you don't have a building you have anything. And then as you begin to get people, the R becomes capitalized. So vision is capitalized and, and R is capitalized. And then you begin to develop programs for those people. And then you've got to manage because you've got, you eventually, you, as a, you church, plan a church, you eventually have to have a building and you got to have light bills. you got to manage all these resources, whether it's human resources or physical resources, and so when you get to that plateau, the V, the R, the P, and the M are all capitalized. But when you start on the decline, the reason the decline starts is because the first thing that becomes small is no longer the focus is the vision. Okay. Your energy relationships, programs, and management. 
then the relationships begin to fall out. And all it is is I'm managing the programs and I'm, it's, it's programs and management. And then at the very end, before, right before death, all you're doing is managing the resources. And then all, ultimately they all become right before death, all of them become little and it just, you're, that's when you're dead. And so I think that's the key is that is we have to, man, I wish if there was a way to snap my fingers and, and just create a culture in every church. I, if we could just convince, help churches see the importance of vision and relationships and focusing on those and, and not just, and I think getting back to what, to his quote there, we talk about relationships and not, it's not just relationships with those people who are in that church. Oh yeah. Right. Right. If, 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 because if, if the focus is let's just grow our church or let's just hold on to our <laughs> church and, and keep our doors open and I think this is one of the contributing factors is when vision is not there or vision isn't, people aren't bought into that vision. They're just there for whatever the church is offering. Then what happens is we, we, we just, that's why that's, that's the, that's important is we, we look for people then who are church people because that's who we know. Yeah. And we're not great with that in order for, if, if, but if we're focused on that vision of, and, and this is where I've like our United Methodist church that, that we're all a part of, uh, you know the 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 the, uh, the mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, and I think we've done a, a disservice in some ways because we tend to focus on making disciples, mm-hmm. and I think that's not really that's not a bad mission. But I think what our sure. mission, the why we exist, is to transform the world. And mm-hmm. So in order to transform the world, you have to see transformation in individuals, which means they can't come into your doors and leave leave a year, two years later, and not be any different than where they entered. Yep, um, and that's where we got to be. I think that's to me. That's one of the contributing factors of this is that we've 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 we have just lost we've lost our passion or our zeal for or our excitement around the opportunity to help people have an encounter with God. It's just we want we want to create an experience at church. Mm-hmm. We want to create a, a a an effective worship service or an effective small groups. When in reality, we have to the point back to the point where we want to help people people's lives change um, through an encounter with God. Well, what would you say? Anything you'd add about as far as contributing factors go to kind of how we are where we are? Well, I was going to say, um, like the glorification of the mega church. You know that um, I I guess that was what early two thousands that that kind of really became all the rage and you know that was <clears throat> what everybody strived to be no matter if you were a small church or not you felt like and i still think that's what a lot of churches feel like they have to be um they think they have to have a you know like a top notch band and lights and and things and that's that's not what every church is called to be but because um you know they have seen these videos and things of these mega churches and they think that that is the way to reach people and um that kind of thing so i think that that's part of it too yeah yeah and and that really speaks to i think the underlying contributing factor there is this idea of comparison oh yeah play the comparison game of the keeping up with the joneses that Mm -hmm. i want to we want to be it's it's not we want to be the best version of who we are as a congregation we want to be like the church down the road or the church across the country, 
that's got, you know, 47 services on Saturday and Sunday around, you know, 39 campuses or whatever it is. Um, or, you know, I've never heard anybody say, you know what I really, I would really love for our church to plateau to about a hundred people. Yeah. You know, nice. You might say that. That's not what, that's not the goal. But I think if, if the goal is just to get people in the doors, we're doing ourselves a disservice. Mm-hmm. Now, if the goal and the vision is to change lives and and see lives transformed, it, it's a it's again it's an organic culture that breeds um, that breeds outreach that that breeds evangelism and evangelism I think has kind of become that in some ways has become a taboo word in the church mm-hmm. which I think is crazy. I, I get it, you know. We I think it was it's a reaction to. Um, particularly a lot of mainline denominations, the reaction to the the twenty year ago, twenty years or so ago of of the perception that evangelism meant you were standing on a street corner with a megaphone screaming at people, right? And that was evangelism. And so we've we've swung the pendulum now to a place where we don't even want to talk about evangelism, much less do it, right? Um, and that just has helped breed this contentment of just doing what we need to do to get more people to show up into our congregations or in our churches on Sunday morning. There's a great book, um, Growing Young, that has Mm -hmm. a really good story about a church in the middle of the city in, I don't know, maybe Indianapolis, in Indiana, um, and how they actually grew and brought in younger people. And it wasn't with you know a band or you know a young pastor or whatever we do have this image of everything we need in order to stay relevant and um oh another really good book too is i'll just get him to christmas or to easter i'll just get him to easter um and that's methodist specific um and about a deacon who um who grew a church who I guess created a healthy church because I still think it was a small church. Um, I'm going to look up the title while someone else talks now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, and I, I, you know, when we were talking about that, I think the best thing that the growing young book you're talking about, it, it the, the subtitle six keys to something like the six keys to make your church attractive to young people. And they mm-hmm. define young people as 15 to 30. But before they get into those six keys, they talk about 10, I call them the 10 myths. I've done a presentation around these, mm-hmm. March, but yeah. they talk about, is that what you're talking about? Is there these perceptions that, and there are 10 things that people think you have to have in order to attract young people. And it's things like you said, uh, and, uh, one of my favorites is an off the, an off the charts, cool quotient. Yeah. Um, you know, a particular, a particular denomination or lack thereof, um, uh, a, a, a contemporary worship service. And, and they basically say, look, there are churches that are attracting people who do have some of those things, but there are also churches who don't have those things that are just as effective right. as reaching young people. And so I think that, and that gets to that whole thing again of, of, I, I don't, I, I, young people aren't, young people can see a fake a mile away. And if you create a worship experience that is specifically designed to attract young people, they're going to know that. Mm-hmm. And what they're looking for really is authenticity and 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 genuineness. Gen, and genuine, I don't know if that's the right word or not. They're looking for genuine, 
Yeah, but sure. genuineness and authenticity and people that really care about them um, and want to just love them, whether they're whether they're young or old or cool or not. Um, anyway, yeah. So yeah. Um, here, I found it. It was on my bookshelf. Um, can you just get them through until Christmas? And it's by Pastor Margie Briggs. And actually, there's a study guide by Kate Catan. Catan? Catan? Yeah. Um, but it, honestly, I, we used it when we did small church, our small church study. Yep. Small ministry, smaller church ministry study. <laughs> it's been a while. That was pre-COVID. My brain worked differently. Yeah. It was a lifetime ago. Absolutely. It's a short book, and it is so good. I, I told all of our district superintendents and where we had smaller churches that I really felt like every pastor needed to read it because it just really um, hit home about the fact that you don't, you don't need to be a big church. In fact, mm. you can probably do more if you're a smaller church, you know? Um, as far as impacting your community, um, just be with true. the resources you have, you know, just whatever. So, yeah, don't get just caught up in that narrative. Just be content of with who you are. Again, yeah. you're the best right. person what you got? Who you are. Yeah, you know? and 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 go that way. We kind of touched on some or any other things you guys think of that that you think are kind of keys to moving to this point where we're no longer. To, to use Carrie's words, we're not attracting, um, I've lost the quote now, um, to, to not attract other Christians, for, but mm -hmm. to reach people for Christ. Any other keys you think that maybe leaders out there might could think about or practical steps to, to moving to, to creating a culture where that's that we haven't touched on, where that's the, the mission more so than just reaching um, other I still just have to say, you know, dig deep and, and remind yourself the excite of the excitement that you had when you were a new Christian mm -hmm. and catch that catch that spirit again as a congregation I think yeah. if if you can do that and I totally agree with you Chris you have to have a vision um, or it's just not going to happen but if you can do that you know, give people a reason to want to be with you. Yep. Um, and good. I just think the rest will come. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Anything from you, Laura? You think we that we haven't touched on that you're good? No, I think that's a great a great stopping point. Yeah. I, I the only thing I I think that's you're spot on. Um. I, you know, I've said it once. I've said it three times at least tonight. You know that I think. <laughs> being comfortable in your own skin, you know, I, mm -hmm. being genuine, authentic. I, well, I will, here's the other thing too, I think that I, that I think we've lost a lot of that in order to, you can't just, you cannot, um, you cannot help people, people's lives transform without, letting them into your life as well. Mm -hmm. In other words, you, you can't just teach from a book um, what it means to be a disciple. 
There right. has to be some um, life on life discipleship. And I, I, I have used this and uh, this illustration time and time again. But when I was in youth ministry, Michelle was notorious for, I mean, doing the monotonous things of going grocery shopping and taking a, a, a young, a, a teenage girl with her or to a tar- on a target run mm-hmm. and, 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 and having just having conversations and being intentional about those conversations and, and having some, yes, there was plenty of goofy, I mean, not even goofy, but random conversations about life and all that. But I promise you in all those conversations, and I tried to practice this as well and still try to practice this is during conversations is trying to th- look for, look for opportunities to talk about faith in a natural way that's not forced, that's not judgmental, that's not, oh, I'm holier than thou, but I am just like you, that I am a, a I, I am someone who is in need of, of Christ, and I live every day recognizing that fact. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that people respond to, not more so than a sermon from a pastor. It's seeing, Absolutely. A, seeing an everyday Christian Mm-hmm. living their life out and seeing that it's a struggle each and every day, even for those folks who seemingly quote unquote, have all their crap together. Yeah. So there yep. you go. All right. How about a, the first random fact of the year? Of 2024. Yeah. Are you guys bottled water drinkers? No. Bottled? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Nobody can <laughs> bottle water. Not another one. It's Let's hear it. Do what, Kay? I, you know, it's too much plastic waste. Oh, you're going all earthy on us. Such a good, I know. Such a good little environmentalist, Kay. Well, you know, that, um, I could go on and on. Plastic bags. You go. Bot- go bottled water has an expiration date. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't drink Is it. it- is it just because everything has to have an expiration date? Well, actually, now I sound like my mom. This is you're gonna <laughs> love this, Kay. Uh, to be more precise, the expiration date is for the bottle itself, ah. and not the water. This is because over time, really? the plastic will start leaking into the water. Eek. Now there See? you go. So Eek. hold on, one, uh, y'all, y'all talk amongst yourself. I'm gonna go prove this or not. Okay. Um, we always, side note, about expiration dates, we always laugh about things that we have found that oh, are yeah. like way past the expiration, the expiration date, date at my parents. Yeah. yeah, my cousins and I do about our moms. Anyway, continue. Well, I've become my mother. Oh, uh, my mother in law. I do happen to have a bottle of Dasani here. God, I can't read that. It does. <laughs> Wait. Take a picture it, of it and then you can blow zoom it in. Uh-huh. It says That's my uh, favorite trick. This says NOV. It's November twenty six, twenty four. Wow! So this is only good for another eleven months. This is a fair. So it's all about the plastic, huh? Yeah, That's interesting. I, I, you know, I have often said I, I don't know where we have come in this society that we bottle water. I know. Um, if we would have thought about, you know, too bad we didn't have that idea. Because you remember growing up, we didn't, okay, first of all, we did not drink the amount of water that yeah. I drank now compared to when I was Same. a kid. 
but I, we sorry. didn't take water ever. I I have water with me all the time. So right? I can remember as a kid. So this will be, this will be. I can remember being outside and like, Mom, I'm thirsty, and my mom would say, "Go yes. check out the hose pipe." Right, yes. yeah. Yeah, no, all y'all don't call them a hose pipe, I'm sure, up there in Ohio. No, no, it's just the hose, but okay. It's sound yeah. hose pipe. And, you know, now it's like, that's so disgusting. I'm like, it tastes better. I still, I've, I've still been known as an adult to, I'm outside, grab a hose pipe and drink some of it. I don't know as much as I used to, but. Yeah, can you, I mean, I can, in my mind, taste it, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. A little rubbery taste to it. Yeah, and if it was there it hot out, there wasn't, yeah. no, there wasn't mm-hmm. no inspiration date on the water in that hose pipe. Nope. And that right. was the best thing when it was when it was hot. You had to wait until the water cooled off because it was first yeah. started, it was like burn your face. Yeah, off. it was scalding. <laughs> scalding well, water. We're in Ohio. It wasn't scalding, but it was warm. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Here it was like you hot, hot. Back, you about to put that water and boil some eggs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what 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 do you call the the, the this should be good. The piece, yeah, the the <laughs> piece that you turn on. No, no, no. Yeah, the, where the hose attaches to. What is that called? Spigot. Yeah. Oh. Okay, good. We call it the same thing. I thought it was. What else would you call it? I don't know. I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. That's all I've ever. You called thought it. there would be something else. Well, I figured there had to be another word. If, if we call it a hose pipe, she calls it a hose. Yeah, it's a hose pipe it's here. So How is it a pipe though? It's I rubber. Case. Okay. What it's called? Do you, do you call it that word? I just call it a hose. Hose, yeah. Hey, really? That's yeah. disappointing. Is that a South Carolina thing? Maybe. Must be. Uh, or just a Chris thing. No, no. That's a, maybe it's a mm-hmm. due west. Maybe it's a due west and due west South Carolina thing. And due west, by the way, if you're listening, is a town in South Carolina, the home of Erskine College and Erskine Seminary. Um, ARP school. There, a bunch of ARPs there in due west, believe it or not. What is the ARP? Associate yeah. Reformed Presbyterians. Oh. Yeah. I think, I don't want to say that. I, don't, I think yeah, ARPs is like the old school, one of the old school AR, uh, Presbyterian denominations. Hmm. And I think I think they're fairly conservative, but God, I hate to say that because I'd be wrong and somebody's going to call Yeah, me. but then, yeah, because the new Presbyterian. We got PCA and PCUSA, ECPs, yeah. and or. Is it ECP? EPCs, Evangel- Evangelical Presbyterian Church. So, okay. Yeah. You know. How did we get here? Our alphabet. I don't know. EPC. From e- the hose. Evangel- <laughs> Evangelical Presbyterian sounds almost like an H-O-S-E. Not H-O. Anyway. Did y'all hear that? was good. That was funny. I said Evangelical Presbyterian sounds like an oxymoron to me. Kind of like uh, kind of like United Methodist sounds like an oxymoron as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Especially, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right friends well that's some good stuff uh hopefully that's been helpful for you all as you've listened uh for some uh as you start off this uh new year um whether you are pro or con when it comes to resolutions <laughs> the r word is i like to call them i do not make resolutions because i just make myself angry when i don't keep them um but hopefully regardless of whatever your resolutions may or may not be Maybe this will be a year where you can begin to think about and focus on how do I create a culture in the ministry that I lead that is more um, is is seeking more to connect with those who don't know Christ and connect them with and, and have lives transformed rather than just uh, attracting other Christians 
Um, so go out and make that happen uh, this this week and every week. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, rate, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to connect with you on social media, so follow Cultivate Group, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group, on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website at cultivategroup.org. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.